everybody, and welcome as always to the A Block right here on Canadian Football Perspective. Been away for a little while. Uh, took about a week off after the combine as we stockpiled a bunch of podcasts and ready to hit the ground running as we get closer and closer towards May 3rd. Of course, the CFL draft coming up for you across multiple platforms. We have got something cooked up for that right here on CFP that we'll be able to share with you coming up very soon. Don't forget as well about the great event that is going on in Kingston. You can check out our social media for that. If you're in Eastern Ontario, you're interested in going out and having some fun coming up this week, Wade and Connor and Andrew Pearson of the BC Lions are going to be doing a live podcast event. For all the details, again, at CF Perspective is where you can find that on social media, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you decide to go. Master your game plan with Fox 40 coaching boards. Choose from a range of clipboards and carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Visit fox40shop.com to shop coaching boards and much, much more they've got for you. Take 15% off your entire order with the code CFP15. Today on the A Block, I have got for you a special guest. I love when my U-Sports slash CIS background is able to come in and play a role in these conversations. Because yes, I absolutely love being able to cover the Canadian Football League, but I really feel like there needs to be more of a tie-in between the university ranks and the pro ranks. And I don't know if there's anybody doing it better in recent years than the Calgary Stampeders. Dwayne Cameron is the defensive backs coach and CFL draft coordinator in his third season on the Stamps coaching staff. In addition to coaching, of course, he's handling everything leading up to May 3rd. He is an interesting guy that I got to know when I was actually playing at McMaster. It was always kind of around. I'd always see him. He was always Laurier sidelines. I never really knew what his job title was. And then you know, I saw him at Niagara Falls one time with his family when I was with mine. We just kept bumping into each other. And it got to the point where we were actually at the combine. And I said, we got to go sit down and just talk. And just talk for 15, 20 minutes about whatever you want when it comes to the draft, your time at Laurier. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you will too. Here's Dwayne Cameron on the A Block on Canadian Football Perspective. Give people your background and and how you got into this beautiful game. Yeah, well, I you know I obviously played uh, played uh, collegiately myself and had aspirations and goals um, to be a, a CFL player. Um, ultimately, wasn't talented enough. Kind of lost out. Funny enough, I lost out that opportunity uh, in that battle to Kyle Walters. Ah. Right. We were, uh, we were drafted together in 1996 by the Ticats and, uh, and, uh, you know, he went on to, to have a, a professional playing career. Obviously he's doing a great job now, uh, as he's transitioned into the, uh, to the, to the post playing career now as a GM, he's done a great job there in Winnipeg, but, uh, I, I actually had no interest in coaching. And when I was playing in college, I was like, I, I don't want nothing to do with what these coaches do. I can't imagine actually staying around the game. If I wasn't a player. And uh, was actually asked to uh, to help out uh, high school coaching uh, in uh, in 1999 uh, at uh, at a high school that I had attended, and uh, kind of fell in love with it. I had no idea I was going to be drawn to it that way. Um, you know, kind of the chess game, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together uh, and seeing it unfold from from the sideline. And uh, 2004, there was an opportunity for me to uh, to join the coaching staff at Wilfrid Laurier. Uh, as the defensive back coach under defensive coordinator Ron Van Moorkirk. And uh, I had no idea that I was stepping into the situation I was stepping into. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, went undefeated in the conference that year, won the Eights Cup, 
um, lost in the national semifinal to, to Laval. Um, and then we came back the following year, went undefeated 12 and 0 undefeated Saskatchewan in the national championship. So here I am just coming into the game, 22 and one in the first two years. Spoiled. Yeah. And I'm like, this is easy, <laughs> right? Like it's like, you're just going to win every year. We're just always going to win. And, uh, you know, of course nature takes its course and that, uh, that doesn't always happen, but, uh, six total years. Uh, at Laurier. And it was during the later stages of those six years that I recognized that from a career path standpoint, this is something I wanted to do for life, uh, as opposed to just being kind of a volunteer or a stipend assistant coach. And as you well know, the uh, opportunities at the U sports level are, are quite limited in terms of the number of jobs available. And there wasn't going to be anything uh, at that time at Laurier. And so I was forced to say to myself, if I really want to do this, I have to be willing to to, to leave. I have to be willing to step outside that box. And funny enough, I went and had a conversation with Dennis McPhee, who was then the head coach at the university of Waterloo. And I said, I said, Deke, um, I appreciate you taking, you know, this time with me. This is what I want to do. I want to coach professionally, uh, or at least I want to coach full-time in a living, um, perhaps at the CFL level, what do I need to do to, to make that happen? And, and Deke just flat out said to me, you need to go to the senior bowl. And I was like, okay, I'm familiar with the senior bowl, um, but not enough to know exactly when it was, when it was coming up. Um, and I said, why, why do I need to go to the senior bowl? And, and Deke uh, said to me, it's cause that's where everybody's going to be. You know what I mean? You need to get in front of people. You need to, yeah. to hustle and get interviews. So, uh, believe it or not, I went home and, and just to get, provide some context, uh, Lisa and I, my wife, we already had three kids, you know, mortgage and a house. And so I come home to her and I say, okay, listen, I need to, I'm going to drive to Mobile, Alabama <laughs> to go to the senior bowl to hustle, to get interviews. And she's like, you're insane. She's like, you're crazy. Is there anything concrete with this? I said, no, no, just, just the highway to get there. That's the only concrete part of this. And so it really, it was a leap of faith for all of us, yep. right. Uh, in the family. And, and so I went down and, and, uh, you know, kind of, hustled and tried to talk to as many people as possible. And uh, I was very fortunate in that uh, this was going into the, the 2010 season. Uh, I was fortunate to land an opportunity uh, with the Hamilton Ticats at that time as a defense and special teams assistant, um, defensively working under Greg Marshall, now the University of Toronto head coach and uh, special teams coordinator Dave Easley. And so, you know, I spent that year making next to nothing, uh, which, you know, was a life stress for us. Uh, but I was committed to the process that turned over into a second season. Greg had left as a DC. Corey Chamberlain came in uh, and worked under Corey. Uh, and to be honest with you, that was really a um, kind of a baptism for me because Corey's philosophy was, I, I want to, I just want to delve into the film and be the play caller. I want to leave all the work preparation stuff to you. Okay. Right. And so it's breaking down film. It's making scout cards. It's putting information in the computer. It's all the stuff that, to be honest with you, Marsh, I don't think young coaches who feel they want to make that career path, they, they don't, they don't really understand that that's the actual work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're familiar with the on-field stuff and that's what they're attracted to. And that's what they're drawn to, but they don't really understand all that other stuff that goes into it. And so, you know, it was kind of a baptism for me that way in that second year with Corey being um, tasked with those responsibilities. And uh, so it was a great learning experience for me that way. Um, just to, you know, end, end that chapter right there, uh, you know, we made it to the East semifinal, upsetting Montreal in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, 
uh, or to the Eastern final then against Winnipeg, we lose. Unfortunately, ownership makes uh, chooses to make a decision uh, with the head coach. And so all of us are out. And uh, so I find myself in uh, 2012 back at Laurier uh, in a volunteer position again. So somewhat uh, uh, disappointing, frustrating to, okay. to feel like you're kind of back at square one again, um, but working with people that I know, people I trust. Uh, so it was a smooth transition that way. And then at the end of the 2012 season, the university administrator decided to make a change at the head coaching position there. And so that created some, some flux again. Um, but during the interim period, I was tasked by the athletic director, Peter Baxter, to take over the day-to-day in-house operations because there was no full-time coach in the building at that point in time. And really, it's I'm just referencing the recruiting operation of stuff. Ron Van Moorkirk was the interim head coach, but uh, being a full-time teacher and department head in the high school level, he couldn't be in the office all the time. Uh, and so I took over the recruiting aspect while a national search took place. Ultimately, in January, Michael Falds was hired as the head coach where he still is today, um, doing a fantastic job. And, and, you know, fortunately for myself, Michael said, listen, um, what, what do you want to do on this staff going forward? And so I said, recruiting coordinator, special teams coordinator, continue on as a defensive back coach. And, uh, I was fortunate that he placed that faith in me. Uh, and we kind of took off from there and started recruiting right away. Funny story. The first player I ever signed as the recruiting coordinator at Laurier Kwaku Botang. Nice. Not, right. not a bad way to not a bad way to start, <laughs> right? I mean, it's hard to kind of build from that, but yeah. uh yeah, no, Kwaku was a foundational piece in that 2013 class, but also uh Nakas Anyeka was in that class, Brandon Calver was in that class. Um, so those were kind of the first guys that helped kind of uh trump that rise that started yeah. to take place at Laurier. Uh, which culminated in the or culminated rather in the 2016 Yates Cup. Totally. It was Gazek Messam in that early group too? Yeah. So I the funny thing is Isaiah was in the 2014 class. So we signed uh three defensive backs in the 2014 class. Isaiah Messam, Godfrey Onyeka, Malcolm Thompson. Right? All three. Now Malcolm uh tore his ACL, so wasn't actually, you know, able to uh to participate with us in that year. But that that's a pretty solid group of defensive yeah. backs. They're all under CFL contract right now. And then the next year, uh, Ron, Van, Ron and myself, uh, we really worked hard on bringing in Scott Hutter from Lucas High School in London, yeah. right? And so we had a starting secondary that was Godfrey and Isaiah in the boundary, um, and Malcolm playing halfback. Um, or sorry, yeah, it was Godfrey and uh, Malcolm in the boundary, Isaiah at field half, Scott Hutter at free safety, all in the CFL at this point in time. So uh, it's easy to look good as a coach when you've got talent like that surrounding you. Yeah, no doubt. And it... First thing I would say in this is that like I respect everything Mike Falls has done, but he would have been so dumb to not give you that open door flexibility to choose what you wanted to do. Like you're great at what you do. Like you're being able to get those names and bring in those kids and give them that sense of security. And listen, this is the spot for you. And here's why. Like that's the job as a recruiting coordinator. And I mean, the resume of the, the kids that you've been able to bring in and not just bring them in and trick them into going to your school, because that's never the point. You want them to go there and have successful careers and then develop as people and then leave as better and then go on and make your program proud, right? Like that's the end all goal. Yeah. Ultimately, the, the, the most pride that you have in these young men is when they want to they walk across the stage with degrees, right? And um, sometimes coming in in the early stages of that process, those young men may not necessarily initially be on the trajectory where they project that they're going to get to that point. 
um, but through positive leadership and their own commitment and dedication and hard work four years or five years down the road, they walk away with that degree. So that's the thing that you're most proud of. Um, but in the recruiting process, it's, I want to I don't want to say it's easy, but there, there is an ability to identify even at the high school level, which guys athletically and frame wise have the potential to project to this level five years hence down the road. And you saw that with Godfrey, you saw that with Isaiah, you saw that with Kwaku, you see it with Robbie Smith, with Sam Atchampong, with Curly Gittins Jr. So part of the recruiting process is, is trust us, trust us to help get you on this path and get you to this point. And as long as you put in the work and, you know, each and every one of them did. And, uh, you know, they're, they're reaping the benefits of that at this point in time. Has there been a player that you brought in while you were at Laurier that surprised you? with the way that they developed over time where you're like, I, you know what, I pride myself on the ability to project and understand, but I didn't see that coming. Nakas Onyeka. Yeah. Nakas Onyeka. I mean, Nakas was by and large, Nakas was unrecruited. I was you know kind of I mean? sad to see him retire. He I got to say when it, when it came across the timeline and I saw that he was, he was retiring, I was like, yeah, it was, it was disappointing, yeah. but he's, he's a guy that has spent his entire life bucking the odds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the one thing. And Michael often tells a story of when he first saw uh, Nakis uh, at some type of, you know, whether it's a, a future stars event or a team Ontario event, um, all he could, he could hear him more than he could see him. <laughs> and anybody that's coached Nakis played against Nakis understands exactly what he's referencing, right? Like he's, uh, he's, he uh, exudes self-confidence on the football field. And, uh, but, you know, when you were look at him physically, you know, five foot 10, uh, whatever his exact weight was at the time, there was nothing about that that projected, yes, this young man's going to be a professional football player, but this kid's will to succeed uh, just is, or sorry, to succeed exceeds everyone else's will to succeed. And he also had natural instincts uh, in which he was able to see things faster than everyone else, combined with the self-confidence to react to what he saw faster than everyone else. And that's what got him through. The funniest moments that I, I think I ever had communicating with John Behe, my offensive coordinator at McMaster, was in games against Laurier because you guys had so many athletic freaks on your defense that I would, you know, we'd be trying to read Kwaku in the zone game. We'd do it three or four times. And I remember distinctly playing at home, I think in my final year, 2014, where I read and I give the handoff and he just like slow plays it, squares up his hips 50-50 and then chases down the backside, makes the tackle. And I literally, Dwayne, ran to the sideline to be he and like didn't even hide. I was just like, stop making me read him. Like, I can't. He's going to he's going to figure it out either way. He's going to be athletic enough to keep the edge on me. I'm not athletic enough to to belly and get around him. And and there was other times where I was watching film and I remember Nakas being like, we put it on, I think, because we were trying to focus on essay or we were trying to focus on um maybe even chris Aki at the time when he was playing boundary corner and it's like we're trying to figure guys out and the more i watched them just like every time Nakas would make a play i'm like damn 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 like he's shooting gaps he's looping in he's made and that was when i started to get a sense that yeah you guys were putting together year over year some really uniquely talented defensive groups that again in the draft process it is shown yeah, well, there was a specific design to that in the recruiting process. It wasn't just about saying, okay, let's come, let's put together a list of really good high school football players, right? It was more about who can we identify that are elite level athletes through their own hard work, plus our strength and conditioning and off-season programs and our coaching and leadership that could become elite individuals, right? Um, 
And so we, we, we approached it more as I would say, as pro teams do where you're truly trying to project who can this player be four years from now, as opposed to, you know, just, as I said, just collecting uh, good high school talented football players. Interesting story. Godfrey Anyaka was completely unrecruited. No one had any idea who Godfrey Anyaka was. Uh, and through a, a mutual friend, uh, Anthony Cannon, who had his own seven on seven team, he's like, you need to take a look at this guy. Godfrey played in high school with Royce Mechie, right? But Godfrey was a defensive end in high school. So he came with us and I was like, you know what? Uh, I want big, long defensive backs. And uh, Godfrey certainly fits that build. And so he made the transition from defensive end to defensive back. And uh, so it was just purely about projecting who do I think this player can be versus who is this player right now? And uh, listen, there's times where it doesn't work out. You see it at every level. There's projections of guys that get drafted in the pros or get taken on call in college just based on the measurables. But I think the statistics over time bear out more often than not that you know what, it's going to be a positive addition to your roster if you or to your program uh, if you're able to find more players like that. A lot of the time you see guys getting closer to the ball, rarely do you see them going backwards. Yeah, it really is a unique. It really is unique. Usually guys get bigger, and as you said, you got to move closer to the line of scrimmage. So this is a young man that we really had to teach how to how to stand in the secondary. You know, you had to, to teach him the base level, but uh, Godfrey's a great kid. One of my favorite of all time. He's like my fourth fourth child. He's like a big brother to my three kids. And uh, so he's he's a special one to me for sure. Let me know when you got to go uh, as well, because I didn't even ask you before we got going. And you're busy while we're at the combine here for people that are listening or watching. So I, don't well, I know I'm waiting. Uh, Dave and I are going for lunch in a few minutes. Okay, so. good. So I don't want to keep you past that. So give me a wave when you need. But um, yeah, the idea of being able to to go from Laurier and recruiting all of these guys and then applying that skill set to the Calgary Stampeders, um, getting the opportunity that you're in now, being able to be the draft coordinator and, and working very, very closely with them. Uh, what has this experience been like for you and uh, moving into you know, the next phase of your career? What have, what have you enjoyed about being in the CFL full-time, taking on this responsibility? Well, it was, it was a unique opportunity. I, I spent four years with the organization just in a scouting role while I main my, maintained my full-time career at Laurier. And uh, so, you know, I worked with Brendan Mahoney and at the time, Kyle Carson uh, was in scouting department as well, too. Uh, Cole Huffnagel. And then, of course, on a lesser extent, Dave and uh, Dave and Huff. And um, so I felt like I had a strong mind for the scouting aspect of it based on my recruiting experience and, you know, kind of the things that we just talked about over the last few minutes. And uh, they were open to giving me an opportunity. And, uh, so, you know, I, I tried to, to open that door as best I could. I worked on OUA prospects in the CFL draft. Uh, and then in the summer, uh, shortly before we would start training camp in the OUA, um, I had three NFL teams that as I was responsible for scouting for, for potential future neg list players for us. And so I would go to camp in Buffalo and Cleveland and Detroit, uh, and scout players and write up reports and make recommendations. And ultimately other people would make decisions off those recommendations. Uh, but it was the way for me to build up, um, equity yeah. with the group and trust with the group. And, uh, so when Kyle ultimately left in 2019, uh, I was fortunate that Huff gave me the opportunity to kind of step into, uh, into that role as the, as the CFL draft coordinator. And then literally, uh, March within three weeks, I'm like, I'm already started, you know, working on the 2020 draft and, 
uh, right before Christmas, my phone rings. I see it's Dave calling and I assume it's just to, you know, have a happy holidays and stuff. And that's when he mentioned, <laughs> listen, JC Sherrod has just left, you know, JC Sherrod's left the coaching staff and he's, he's going to take a, a job back at his alma mater in college. And, um, would you be interested in joining the coaching staff now as well too? And so I was, I was very comfortable where I was at Laurier and life was, um, it was just consistent on a day-to-day basis. I knew where I was going to be. I knew the schedule. Uh, obviously, you know, my family was deeply entrenched at Laurier. Like my kids live in that program. And, uh, so it was a big decision. Like this is a major life altering here. Um, and so we had plenty of conversations to the extent where my kids were like that. If you ask me about this one more time, like just take the job and go, you know what I mean? Just go, you need to take it. And I was very much like, are you sure? Cause it's going to impact their lives yeah. as much as it's going to impact mine. Um, but they were very, very supportive as was Lisa. And, uh, so ultimately I contacted Dave and I said, yeah, let's, let's get ready to go. Now I didn't know at the time that it was going to take two years for me to be able to do my first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. COVID was coming and none of us knew what that, what that meant. Well, so. on top of everybody trying to get their bearings when it comes to draft and eligibility and what your guys are in and all the rest, like that's been difficult. I know even for us, when I've talked to, to some people, they're just doing it in media of getting an understanding of where guys are and how old they're. And there's no sense of normalcy for you to be doing that on top of trying to transition, trying to join a coaching staff, trying to get your first year in, trying to, it's like, that's a lot to make your way through. Uh, it is. I will say this though. So, so happy to finally be here this week. Yeah. You know, I feel uh, the same. I'm with you. Taking over in January of 2020, nothing during this, this time that, that two plus year period in the personnel scouting aspect of this, this position has been normal. Mm -hmm. None of it. We lost the in-person combines. We lost the East West bowls. We lost the ability to go to schools and scout players in person. And so there's just, we can't have in-person interviews. Everything was done over zoom. Um, all the actual, uh, personal contact aspects were just completely tossed aside. Uh, and it became this foreign version of how are you going to try and put this puzzle together? And so to finally have some sense of normalcy in this process, it's been, it's been exciting. I won't keep you any longer. Go enjoy your lunch with Dave and, uh, we will catch up more down the road. We can talk more draft theory and all the good stuff, maybe as we get closer and closer to the draft, but I appreciate you stopping by and having some fun. Awesome, man. I thanks. Thanks for having me.